Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. Uh, this week, I'm catching up with Melbourne-based artist Adnate. How you going? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. What's going on? It's been a, uh, been a long time coming. It has been a while. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here because I've, I've been listening to the show, so... And you've had a pretty amazing lineup of artists. It's, it's an honour to be a part, man. Thanks. Oh, thanks. It's been uh, been fun to do it. A lot of people don't know this about you and I. We actually go way back, don't we? We certainly do. I think. I mean, I don't know what what uh, how much detail we can talk about on this <laughs> on this thing, but I, I do have old memories of you hanging out with my brother in in my house back in nineteen early nineties. I don't know. Yeah, it would have been uh, yeah early nineties. Yeah. I was, yeah. Well, but, that was my first memories of Graph. Actually, was was looking at my brother's sketches when I would have been in oh, maybe grade oh, grade three or something in 1993 so and I'd sort of you know he'd do all the wild style stuff and I would try and make mazes out of them and try and you know and then I get really upset when the when the letters wouldn't join up or there wouldn't be some sort of maze that go the whole way through it because he was trying to I guess in that time he was trying to um you know make the letters less wild and then that would piss me off because it'd be less of a maze for me yeah but I think that was the time that you and my brother were hanging out the most yeah, yeah. Like I first did all my early like graph sketches and stuff with him before yeah. I'd actually painted and all that type of stuff. Yeah. You know? And I remember you were just a, a young kid mm. just running around the house. Trying to steal his skateboard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember I bumped into your sister in a bar mm. and she said that um, that you're into art and all that sort of stuff and you were doing graph and everything. Yeah. And then, um, and I knew your work from the street, but I didn't realize it was you actually doing it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah. when I finally... Um, like we finally met up as sort of grown-ups. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, I, you know, put two and two together. We started talking and went out painting and all that type of stuff. Yeah. But I remember, um, like going overseas, like knowing mm. you was just a, a graph writer mm. and going overseas and then mm. coming back and you, um, there I was gone for five years or whatever and you started doing all the portrait stuff mm. and everything. Mm. So how did you, uh, like, you know, get interested in like you know, doing portraits and start the transition from going from like just doing letters to, you know, painting the human face. Yeah. So when I started doing graffiti as a kid, as a teenager, there was a few, you know, things that kind of pushed me to try and understand uh, what made graph pieces look good. And uh, I had a sister who had a a boyfriend and uh, he said to me that one of the things that that make pieces look sick is is trying to basically put like emotion and into the into the piece you know whether it looks aggressive whether it looks funky whether it looks kind of happy or whether it looks dark or and and that i guess obviously you know falls into style as well but when you're trying to create as you would understand when you're trying to create like emotion and style through an abstract thing which is a letter form it's quite hard to do you know and and i think for me, when I was growing up, my, my movies as well that I was always obsessed with were like aliens and these kind of hardcore, intense sort of films. So with my style at the time, with my letter form, I was trying to create an aggressive, you know, wild style kind of thing that was emulating from, you know, all the movies that I loved and all the, you know, comic action comic book heroes that I would, that I would follow. And uh, so when I started doing portraiture, it was something that I tried to take into that. You know, I wanted to, to create images and portraits that, that had you know, the style and emotion and, and aggression and sort of feeling, you know, and, and doing it with a face is obviously much easier than trying to do it with an abstract letter form. Uh, so when I started doing it, I was like, shit, this is, this is awesome. I really want to try and push it. Um, and the transition wasn't too hard actually in the end because, you know, you've, I learned so much from painting graffiti. Again, as you would know, you, you, there's all this stuff you learn about, you know, hand-eye coordination, form, colour, um, heaps of technical skill that you can learn from from painting murals and all that kind of stuff so it was a pretty quick way for me to to start expressing myself differently and yeah i guess i never looked back yeah so when you're um you know you start getting interested in portraits were you painting portraits next to your pieces or anything like that uh, a little bit, but not so much. I, you know i really admired there was a lot of artists out there that were able to you know push you know, really good graph pieces and then could do these, you know, crazy characters and portraits and backgrounds and productions, you know, I mean, one of my big influences as a teenager was obviously WCA and all those productions that were going up around Melbourne and not only just their letter style, but the way they would incorporate that into these backgrounds was just mind blowing for me. Uh, So I was very inspired by that kind of work and, you know, I mean, they were doing, some of the murals were quite realistic. So that would have been probably my first sort of bits of inspiration. Uh, 
when I was learning how to paint portraits, one of the things that I had to learn was to uh, basically retrain my brain because one of the things when you're trying to do realism is you're trying to see things differently. You're trying to see things for what they are, you know, and not make assumptions about uh, the way things should be, you know, for little things like, you know, should the eyes like halfway down the head, you know, like most people think that the eyes are sort of three quarters of the way up the head, but if you ever drew someone like that, they're going to end up looking like pretty bloody weird. Surprised. Yeah, pretty surprised. <laughs> and, you know, and other things like seeing colour for what they are, you know, looking at skin tone and being able to identify all the blues and the greens and the purples and the magentas inside of them, you know, rather than just like one big flat pink colour. Um, you know, and, and one of the best ways for me to do that and to learn, learn that was from doing life drawing. So I did about six months of, of life drawing uh, whilst I was just painting graffiti on the side. And at the time I was, even my graffiti was starting to become a bit more sort of abstract and I was kind of pushing it in different directions and um, yeah, just trying to sort of take it to a different sort of level. But I sort of didn't feel like I was really taking it anywhere. It sort of just became a bit more of an autopilot kind of mode. You know, it's just like repeat, 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 you know, making, maybe taking it, you know, 1% step differently each time, but not a strong progression. And then when I was doing these portraits and, you know, in my studio in the background and practicing drawing and, you know, doing life drawing and, and stuff, it was, it, it, it kind of, I felt like I was going in leaps and bounds with that. So it was quite inspirational for me. And um, I only pushed really hard sort of in my studio for about six months and then, tried doing one portrait on the street with a can and, and it ended up looking like uh, it was kind of this old lady but it kind of you know that movie the curious uh the, the curious case Benjamin, the, the curious Button. yeah the yeah. curious case of benjamin button yeah, yeah so it's like this this old lady kind of looked like a baby it was weird it was kind of so it was this reversed kind of weird look it wasn't really didn't really look i don't know just i was like this is this is whack i gotta get rid of it and anyway that pretty much the week after i went and moved to berlin for six months and when i was in berlin it's I think because I was really separated from, um, you know, I've removed from a lot of people in Melbourne, I could, I felt like I could be like practice a lot more. Cause at the time also Facebook and Instagram was starting to starting to launch and, you know, everyone was taking photos. So you paint one thing and it's like, everyone takes a photo of it. And, you know, so I felt kind of, didn't feel like I could really like, uh, paint without having, you know, people watching and criticizing and all that kind of thing. And, and so when I was in Berlin for six months, you know, I spent most of my time just painting in abandoned buildings and, you know, these incredible spaces that were like old World War Two, you know, Nazi army, you know, Russia ba Russian bases and stuff like that. So it was really inspiring to be there and, and to be able to just paint, you know, and completely with no one else seeing it, you know, with these incredible spaces and, you know, and to be absorbed in these, you know, beautiful decaying buildings um, and to practice you know, doing even, you know, three, four, five portraits in one day, you know, just going, using using all these blank walls in these abandoned buildings like a sketchbook that you could just run right through, you know, like when you go to life drawing and you do 20 drawings in, in two hours, I was trying to do five portraits in, you know, in, in eight hours of the day and just, just, just sort of pushing yourself in, in you know, to try and, to get this, uh, this technique out so it came to a satisfactory level. And then... By the time I came back to Melbourne, well, the first thing I did was get get rid of that curious case of Benjamin Button portrait, and um, yeah, I was able to to you know use all the techniques that I'd learned and was able to put into practice all the stuff that I did practice when I was in Germany back in Melbourne, and yeah, and then I since then I've only done like one graph piece a year if I'm lucky, and the mm. rest is all portraiture. Yeah, and with um like with those early ones, like apart from the Benjamin Button one, yes. were there um. <laughs> Were there other ones that were uh, like that didn't work out so well? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm, I mean, I was pretty good. My my wife and my mum were were grilling me a lot. You know, every time I came home and you know and, and or you know catch up with mum for dinner, I'd have a picture of the latest portrait, and she go because she's an artist as well, and she go, oh yeah, those eyes are too close together, or that yeah. that nose is a bit bit twisted, or that you know those that you know and and that kind of stuff's really important because when you're painting something, you know, and you're trying to do realism as well. You, you can get lost into you think it looks okay but from a you know from some from an outside point of view it can still look a bit sort of whack and bung so you've got to you got to be really careful and critical on yourself because you don't really have 
um, much room to move when you're painting on the street, you know, because everyone can see it. And sometimes if you think it looks okay, you know, to other, I've, I've, I still get it. People come up and go, oh, you know, why are those, that, that, you know, that little boy's lips are so pink. Is he wearing lipstick? And you're like, bugger, you know, even though you're trying to do this lipstick color, which you think is like a pink, but, you know, to, to someone who's never, who's coming at it with a fresh eye, they might see it, you know, with lipstick or, yeah, yeah. you know, something weird like that. So it's good to have, I had people around, you know, that were really sort of, uh, being critical of it but which which helped me push it further to be able to get it to a satisfactory level so it didn't look you know i wasn't painting a, a boy that looked like a girl or you know or vice versa or something yeah and so when um you know when you're in berlin did you do any stu- um practice in the studio at all or were you just going straight into these abandoned buildings and they were they were like your practice grounds yeah, I did do. I mean, I I did a small show there, but I only spent a couple of months working on it. So it was my third solo show at the time. I mean, that was 2012. But the studio practice was, I guess, was just raw spray can. You know, I wasn't I, I wasn't incorporating a bit of acrylics at the time or anything like that. I was just trying to do it completely freehand um, with no sort of masking off tools, no... Um, you know, needle caps, you know, that kind of stuff. I was just trying to do it just, you know, with a normal standard sort of skinny cap and trying to do these these images and portraits. And it's quite difficult as, you know, as you would have experienced when you're trying to do small scale scale stuff with a spray can. It's like, oh, it's a nightmare, you know. So, yeah, so at the time I was just sort of doing, you know, eyes that were sort of enlarged and this kind of closed up kind of stuff. which was cool and I really enjoyed it, you know, at the time and it was good to work in Berlin, but um, I didn't get to get, I didn't get to do too much work when I was there because I was really trying to be, you know, professional and paint a lot while I was there, but most of the people that I was around with just wanted to party and, you know, and that's typical Berlin, you know, the, the weekend goes from, you know, Thursday morning until Tuesday night and they have one day of work on Wednesday and then they start it all over again. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's funny you were saying about like painting on a like with spray paint on a small scale because I was spe- mm. speaking to someone about it the other day who's trying to get into art mm. and they said, um, "Oh, I've got some spray paint and I've been painting on these small boards." And he goes, <laughs> it's, so, it's so hard." And it's like, yeah, it's like I can't even do that. Mm. <laughs> like it's um, I think some people think that they they practice on a small scale with spray paint and it's mm. like it's actually such a hard thing to do yeah absolutely like i'm blown away when i see your paintings and what you can do with a spray can it's oh like, thanks man like do you like you said you use a bit of acrylic and masking off but um like like do you predominantly use spray paint for all your artwork well uh, murals definitely mm. i mean it, it depends on the scale like when if there anything if i'm doing a portrait that is like a full portrait, you know, eyes, you know, top from from the head to the chin. Um, if it's any smaller than, say, I guess a meter and a half tall, then I start, you know, especially on canvas, I'll start to incorporate things like acrylics, you know, acrylics for inks and you know with a brush to try and do the eyelashes and the the highlights and stuff like that. And I used to think. You know, and I used to want to be a purist, as you know, in in many ways. You know, and the graffiti sort of you know pushes you into that, especially when you first get into it. You've created these rules for yourself, like oh, it's got to be only spray paint. You know, you can't do, you know, if you start using other things, and you're gonna you're gonna end up like you know, you're not doing it in a proper way or a purist way, and you're not you know, you're being being too much of too too arty and not you know, and not graphy enough. And that was one of the things I had to like let go of, you know, and, and think oh yeah, I've got it. You know, I have to do it only with a spray can. You know, but. Mm. The more I let go of that kind of stuff, the the more refined the portraits became, which was really cool and, and something that I'm trying to embrace more of. And, and now I guess the, the transition that I want to make in the next few years is to actually completely get rid of using spray paint uh, because it's, you know, of, of course, because it's, you know, it's a hard medium when you're working on trying to do a portrait that's only a metre high. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trying to do eyelashes and highlights with a with a skinny cap and you know, and all spraying and dripping and overspray and all that stuff going everywhere. It's just messy as, but also the fumes as well because it's super toxic. And you know, I'm getting older now, and you know, I can't just pre- pretend that you know that, that it's not doing anything to me. So you know, I've got to be really careful. But um, when once the portraits get get above you know a couple of meters and they go all the way up to, oh, I guess maybe probably three stories is, is a, or two, two to three stories is, you know, so what's that, like 15 metres or something, is the sort of the maximum, um, 
height I'll go to now where I'm just using 100% spray can. Mm. Uh, so within that kind of scale, it's you can you can really you know the spray can is a really good me- medium to use you know because the, the fat caps come out really smooth you know especially if using astro caps to get nice color blends and you can go all the way down to just like you know your your, your black dot or your gray dot you know your McLean cap to to do the nice little highlights and it works really well. Um, but then when you start getting bigger than that, you have to start incorporating like bucket paint and um, spray guns and stuff like that, paint guns, because, you know, it's some, it's the biggest, the tallest portrait I think I've ever done was, was probably about oof, maybe 20 meters high, 25 meters. So, and that was, that was from chin to, to, to top of the forehead. And when you're trying to do color blends that are like, you know, five meters wide of different colors in the skin, it's, it's impossible to do with a spray can because it just sort of comes out all blotchy and, you know, you're not making a mark. So you've got to get the blends happening with, with paint guns and roller paint, roller paint and all that kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. And what about like, um, colors as well? Cause you, to get the tones right, you said mm. before that there's so many colors that you don't really notice with the, the eye mm. until you're actually trying to paint it. Um, like, do you have a hard time like sourcing all the colors you need? No, I'm pretty, I'm pretty lucky cause I've got a, I've, I'm supported by Montana in Germany. So they've got a pretty incredible color scheme that goes the whole way through and, and the company that brings it out, Rossdale, they do a really good job at keeping a real, you know, strong supply of all the colors and they're pretty, um, pretty professional and they, they sort of really push the, yeah, push the, the amount of stock they've got to, you know, to the point in which I always, you know, there's a color I need then I always, you know, I've always got it on access. Uh, but I've also really, I guess, honed in on my palette and worked out exactly what I need. You know, there's about probably 25 different colors that I need from, from the Montana range that, uh, well, Montana gold range that I use to create all the, all the skin tones. And yeah, like I said, they've, they've always got it in stock for me. And you know, if, if, if one of those colors are missing, I can substitute it for another one, but it's very rare that I need to do that. And uh, that sort of gives me the range where I can sort of put all the all the different shades of the you know the greens and the and the blues and the the pinks and the all that sort of stuff it can all sort of work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you've got a wall teed up to paint, like mm-hmm. how do you go about um, like working out who whose portrait you're going to paint on it? Sure. Uh, I'm. I guess the the, the 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 first thing that comes to mind is you know location and and where I'm painting and. You know the city I'm painting in, or the country I'm painting in. Uh, I've obviously being from Australia. You know, I, I I feel it's super important to paint Indigenous people from Australia. You know, because they're they're very. Uh, uh, I guess the, the the best way for me to put it, they're you know, they're a minority here, and they've been really swept under the carpet in the last two hundred years. And you know, there's been a lot of strong sort of cultural genocide that's happened. So, I feel it's really important to represent them as much as possible. Uh, and for me, it's been a really sort of powerful uh, way of communicating that is by painting large-scale portraits of Indigenous Australians on the street. And when I started doing it, 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 it was a life-changing journey for me. So it's been a massive inspiration for me. Uh, and But at the same time, it's, it's important for me to sort of branch out into different cultures into different subject matter as well and you know I'm, I'm also very inspired by by other things like you know renaissance art and stuff like that and um and you know and just sometimes just painting like a funky portrait of my girlfriend or something like that so, so you know or my wife now actually sorry um so you know it's it really it really can vary you know of, of what it is but at the same time I, I've sort of abandoned all that kind of thing when, when I used to paint graffiti it's just like you know you put your name up and you don't really care where you are who you, you know what you're putting it on you just like you want to get your name up there and just do it and you know at the time for me when I was doing my graffiti I wasn't even taking any consideration to to what was going on with the community and, and people around me and like you know that's like for me that was what graffiti was about just putting your name up and who gives a who gives a fuck in the end so um, but uh, oh shit can I swear on this yeah yeah <laughs> So, uh, but then now we're doing these portraits, portraits and, and stuff like this, it, you know, when I started doing them, I, one of the, the biggest rewarding, uh, parts of them was the community response to the community response to it, you know? So with the indigenous communities, you know, I was painting these portraits and, you know, I'd have, 
you know, some, some old, you know, some of the older community members come down and just be literally brought to tears in front of the murals, you know, and just, just saying, you know, I've, when I was a child, you know, I was grown up and, you know, there was the stolen generation happening and, and now here's a mural celebrating our culture, you know, on a, you know, five-storey building. It's completely uplifting for them and, you know, and completely moving for them. So it's, it really changed the way I, I looked at painting on the street because when back then I like I said I didn't really care at all about it was all about me and you know and then now it's all about them you know it's yeah. not about me anymore and and that's something that's that's changed my practice because I really have to take into consideration the community that I'm painting and be very uh, you know gentle and 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 really sort of understanding of what I'm doing because I'm not just painting you know stuff about anything now it's, it's it, this is this is really important stuff for me and and for them too you know and and it's yeah like i said to completely life-changing mm. do you get any kickback from communities saying why are you painting them not me and you know why why that person yeah is it like, hard As in to like s- political like in political rivalry in between communities and yeah yeah like you know if like say there's a group of people and one of them gets selected to have their portrait done mm. and then everyone else is like why are you painting this person what about me or what about my cousin over here or whatever you know what i mean mm. uh not really not really um one of the things that i do actually is you know as part of my practice is to actually is to paint a lot of younger mob and you know to paint kids and that there's a there's quite a few different re- reasons for that um and one of the reasons being is that Younger kids generally don't have that kind of um, political rivalry going on, but within communities, you know, they they usually come from a different sort of place when when you paint them because they haven't grown up, you know, and they haven't had, you know, had you know conflict with other people, which is you know, so that's that's one positive towards painting younger kids. But the one of the main reasons, actually, probably the biggest reason, is when I paint elders, uh, I feel like when you look at a portrait of an elder, it's it's all already straight away sort of communicating past and history Mm. um but when you paint kids and i feel like you're actually embracing all of that you know you've got the you've got past present and future you know the past being obviously you know that are representing a culture that's been around for sixty thousand years and representing a people that's been around for sixty thousand years um but the presentness and you know the realism and you know this huge portrait you know sort of powering into the streets and towering you know on the street but then the the future of the, of the kids because you know because I, for me i feel like when you look at a kid it's you know that they've got the whole life to, to to live so it represents the future to me so i think it embodies a lot more when i paint when i paint younger generation um so that that's you know that's probably one of the main reasons why why i focus on painting kids mm. and do you have you had any like feedback from early murals of painting kids where it's sort of like, I don't know, motivated them to, I don't know, create some sort of legacy for themselves because they've been, I don't know, they've been featured in a uh, in a mural already in their town. It's sort of like, a, I don't know, it sort of lets, allows them to you know, hold their head up high and say, yeah, that's me, you know. Yeah, well, again, and you know, like I said, there's many different uh, positive elements that that came from painting these portraits on the street, and definitely a sense of pride is is massive you know and again that's really driving for me so to have these kids come and tell me that you know that they feel really good about their culture and feel really proud and you know that they're being celebrated like this it's it's it really drives me to keep going and um and yeah definitely had kids feeling you know pretty good about themselves when i paint them on a big building so which is cool and and i think that the kids that that i paint you know they they they're always really stoked to see it happen, so which is really cool. Yeah. So, um, so through doing all these murals, have you? Uh, has it allowed you to travel a lot around Australia to like um, places you know other than the cities? You know, you've actually gone like deep in the outback and stuff. Mm. In the early two, you know, two thousand and ten sort of times, and when I started doing portraiture, I I always joked about the fact that I'd seen more of Europe and the world than I had of Australia, and. I don't know, I guess, you know, when you when you put more into, uh, you know, when you put your thought to it and you put your mind to it, you know, you, you, you sort of project things. And, and I've, you know, ended up in some pretty pretty remote parts in, of Australia from all the communities that I've visited and, uh, and been able to paint and work with. And 
uh, it's taken me to some really outback places, you know, places where you have to drive on these single lane roads at 150 k's an hour to get there within, you know, a day and all this kind of thing. And, you know, driven through rivers that go for, you know, I guess, you know, 20 minutes of river to get, get through the other end and all these sort of crazy spots. And I feel pretty blessed and lucky to be able to experience some of the places that I've visited and, and, and stayed in and, you know, and, and the communities when you go and actually, you know, it's one thing to go out to the communities and just visit them for a day and, you know, and hang out and take some photos and get to know them, but to actually, you know, spend the night and, you know, spend a week sleeping in communities, it's, it's something else, you know, I've had some pretty magical experiences and some pretty sort of, I guess, spiritual moments out there as well. And, and again, I've, I've, I always try and translate that through, through the work and, and through my paintings that I do. But even not even just in Australia as well, you know, I've, I've, I've been to India quite a few times and worked with the Tibetan refugees over in the north of India in Dharamshala where the, where the Dalai Lama lives. And the last time I went to India, I was actually even lucky enough to meet the Dalai Lama firsthand and got to show my artwork and stuff, which was pretty, yeah, pretty mind blowing. Well, how, how'd you manage that? Because he's a pretty hard guy to see. He is, he is. Yeah. I mean, it took me, oof, was the fourth trip I went to India. So, and, and I've got a really good friend who is a Tibetan uh, Tibetan guy living up there called Tenzin who, um, and if he's ever listening to, to this, I hope he's, I hope he's going well and you know, shout out to you because you're a legend. Um, but yeah, he managed to, to get it all happening for me because, you know, as, as as I said, it's it's a big inspiration, and, and it you know I try and translate that through my work is the experiences and the the people I meet, and meeting the Dalai Lama firsthand is something that I want to try and um, yeah communicate you know through the emotion of the portraits and you know through the Tibetan portraits and and the portraits that I've done of him as well. Hmm. So um like are you already painted the portrait of the Dalai Lama before you met him? No. No, I hadn't actually. No, so I've done I've done two portraits of him. One is down in just behind Brunswick Street, and the other one was on a canvas. Um, yeah, so after that, I, I you know painted the portraits, and you know, and I, but I actually hope to to plan I plan to do a few more. So mm. at some point when yeah. I get the time. And um, and where else is your uh, your art taking? Um, well, all over. I mean, I just got back from the states. I'm off to to Broome in a couple of weeks so the top end of Australia and then France the week after that so yeah, I'm, I've been pretty lu- lucky enough to travel to some pretty amazing places and you know and I'm, I'm still hitting the road which is really cool so I mean that's the, that's the, the one of the beauties of, of painting is that you know you, it, it does end up taking you around the world if you keep pushing it you know further enough and I know you've done a lot of travel and you know that's the, one of the best parts about about painting is travelling and one of the best parts about travelling is painting so yeah, being that you've painted in some like pretty remote places, and um, like, have you ever felt uncomfortable being like you know a white man in a um, you know Aboriginal community, like you know painting portraits in there and stuff like that? Have you ever felt like out of place or anything? No, well, well part of my community consultation and and part of you know my my work is actually being you know really sensitive and trying to come from a place of understanding of, of, of who I am and the colour of my skin and, and you know, and the history of, of what white people have done to Indigenous communities, you know, it's it's completely mind-blowing when you actually really start to, to put your head into it and, and start to learn and, you know, I grew up, my my, my, sculpt, uh, my culture was skateboarding graffiti as a teenager and, you know, so it's light years apart from any understanding of, of Indigenous cultures and, um, when I started learning it, it completely opened my eyes and it, you know, and, and quite full on, quite tragic, you know, there was, a, there was a lot of genocide, there was a lot of massacres that happened. So you do feel a sense of, you know, that, that you know, I guess you could, like, I mean, you know, I do feel some somewhat responsible from, you know, from a, a, a point of view of, you know, what my great, 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 great grandparents would have done or whatever. and. You know, and it's 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 really sad, and um, you know, I, I, you can't just ignore that. You know, it's, it's ridiculous that Australians, you know, ever ever think to say that oh, they should just get over it, or you know, it's not my fault or anything like that. But it's like, you know, come on, mate, we celebrate the Anzacs. You know, we celebrate a lot of things. So, you know, a lot of people that have passed away, you know, and, and the same thing happened to them, if not worse, in terms of you know the amount of people that died and the amount of genocide that went on. So, when I go out to communities, you know, and I. 
I don't want to just be another another white guy coming in there and 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 saying, oh, this is what you, this is what you should do. And hey, you know, I'm you know, I'm a, I'm a I'm a guy that knows you know knows what's up, and you know, I'm going to come in and paint a portrait of of whoever and put this big image up on the you know on their, their their main sort of building and you know and think it's going to be all you know cool and going to be accepted it's it's quite the opposite you've really got to sort of talk to the community first and you know we i spend if not two days you know if not three days just actually just hanging out in the grounds and just kicking a footy with the kids and going around and sitting with the elders and um and getting to know everyone before i start painting because you know i don't want to just be some you know, like I said, a white guy coming in and just, you know, just run around and, and then just leaving and just sort of completely being ignorant to, to the community. Yeah. So I was looking on your, your website and you also um, like donate a lot of your, your money to the, um, like you've got a foundation started up. Is mm. that right? Like, like Pretty much. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't really call it a foundation, foundation as such, um, but I certainly, you know, know the importance and it's, it's part of my, my practice is to give back to communities because you know I, I don't want to be again I don't want to be one of those white people just come in and just take 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 and and then just you know and don't give back in any way whatsoever because that's what you know that's what white Australians are, are famous for with indig- indigenous communities so it was it, it wasn't uh, shortly after I started painting indigenous portraits that I decided to start doing fundraisers and you know, because I'm I'm selling these paintings, I'm I'm getting commissioned to create these artworks, and you know I I've I know that it's important to to give back to these people, and and you know there's certain fundraisers that I've done for different charities through the sales of my artwork, through the sales of prints, uh, but not only just financially. I've I've done quite a lot of projects where I work directly with kids and community and do mentoring programs and arts workshops with the kids and stuff like that you know in Melbourne and and throughout communities you know in throughout the whole of Australia and in recent years I've gone and done a lot of work with um, Melbourne Uni Eye Health where I go out and and paint um, murals to educate about trachoma because trachoma is is a disease that was has been cured in most third world countries around the world and it hasn't been cured in Australia and it's a pretty tragic eye disease when but it's really easy and simple to to prevent and it's just by cleaning your eyes and just keeping your eyes clean and uh if if they don't if they're not educated and and don't know that that, that's what's happening then the eyelashes start growing inside out and it causes the 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 kids to go blind yeah it's really quite full-on so it's amazing you know we we live in this first world country where the economy's booming you know with you know this trillion dollar economy and we can't even sort out our own health you know with these indigenous communities and you know, it's some of the statistics are just through the roof. You know, we they they have the lowest life expectancy than any other indigenous population in the entire world, which is pretty heartbreaking. And when you think about it like that, you know, we have so much money to you know to to pay for all these things, to pay for freeways and stuff like that. But we you know we can't just help them out and just make sure that they're living just you know to a satisfactory health level. You know, that that they're just basic human needs. So. You know, there's a, there's huge breaches of human rights that have that have that go on with the government to do with indigenous communities, and it's it's really sad. Yeah, wow, that's um that's heavy stuff. It's good to see that you're um you're supporting. Yeah, well, when I first started painting these portraits, I felt like I, I I was in a place where I had no understanding of what was going on, and you know, I wasn't educated as you know as much as a lot of Australia isn't. You know, a lot of white Australia has no idea what about this kind of stuff, and but now as the years have come on, I've I've I feel like I can come from a place of a bit more of an understanding and you know and, and I feel like you know obviously my artwork is 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 about creating awareness for these people and you know and issues like this uh, but now I feel like I can actually voice it and you know because I've, I've seen it firsthand I know the facts and, and I've I've yeah I've lived it yeah so getting back to your um to your artwork like you take all your reference images, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I saw a photo of you taking a photo. Sure. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So, how how important is it for you that um that you have shot all your reference images? Uh, massively, massively important. Ninety nine percent of the paintings that I've created in the last five years have all been from my own photos and my own reference images. Uh, multiple different reasons, but you know, for, for one reason is being that I'm creating realism. I'm trying to paint you know, something that's as closest to the photo as possible. So by doing that, 
I'm using the creativity that's in the photo. So if I'm, if I'm painting somebody else's photo, then I'm stealing their composition, I'm stealing their, their light, I'm stealing their colors, I'm stealing you know, a lot of the, the stuff that, that creates my artwork, you know, mine. So that is one of the, uh, one of the really important sort of you know, uh, techniques that I need to be able to master is photography and, and trying to you know, and, and capture that so for my paintings to be strong. But secondary to that is also the what I'm painting is is you know I'm, I'm painting somebody who you know who I have a personal connection with because I've personally f- photographed them and um, and one of the probably actually just as good as painting it and the experience of painting these portraits is actually the experience of, of meeting these people and and traveling out to these communities which is you know what I talked about before so um, and the experiences that I've had photographing these people is has been incredible I mean I was just in America I was just up in in North Carolina and traveling out to you know these Cherokee lands and these you know these reservations and and you know there was one one old lady that I got to photograph I I wrote it down I think she was in her late 90s this old Cherokee lady and you know and going out into her sort of her her house and you know she lived at the top of this you know this 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 river and it was all sort of you know the you drove through and you could feel the sort of the magic in the air you know it was it was literally like you know covered in frost you know not frost sorry it was covered in um you know everything was uh, what do you call it uh, snow not snow <laughs> when you're in a rainforest you've lost that word when like all the sort of the oh, mist it, it was all mi- it, misty everything was misty and uh you know the the rivers were flowing past and you know you could certainly feel the magic in the air when you were there so those kind of experiences again is something that I like to try and translate through the portraiture mm. which you can't do if I'm just you know stealing someone else's photo yeah and did you study photography or you self-taught nah self-taught in the end I mean I did a little bit of well, I guess online courses and all that sort of stuff but yeah pretty much self-taught and yeah I had to in the end because the actually I remember I sort of went on this venture of trying to get the most sharpest image possible so I could have a photo that I could see all the pores and all the eyelashes and all that kind of thing and you know, I went around and asked a hundred different photographers and they were like, oh, maybe you need a better camera and you need this, you need that. And then one day I just realized it's just not having enough light on the subject, you know. So things like that might have helped if I went and did a uni course. But, you know, again, you know, I was like, I taught myself how to do graffiti and I taught myself how to do portraiture. So, you know, mm. you, if you put your head to it, you can kind of teach yourself anything. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Mm. Mm. And I, I think the only thing that can stop you is, um, you know, physically... Like you know, if, I know, if you want to try and be like a, an Olympic athlete, mm. and you're like in your forties, like, yeah. that might be a bit hard. <laughs> yeah, that might be. But uh, yeah. as far as um, as far as creativity goes, I think mm. uh, you can teach yourself anything. Yeah, for sure. Um, one thing I've noticed with your your paintings is you you really capture the eyes well, mm. like, and you have like an abstract background. But then, like, when you're looking to the eyes of your subjects, you, it puts them in a setting. Like, you'll see mm. a desert or something like that. Mm. Um, like, is this all intentional? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, the backgrounds that I create with the realistic portraits on top is to, you know, that's to create a juxtaposition. That's to create a contrast of, of style so that it creates more sort of, like, pop, you know, which is what, you, what I used to try and do when, 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 you know, when we do graph, we want to make it pop off the wall. Chuck a band on it. Yeah, chuck a band on it. Exactly. <laughs> So put some highlights on it, for sure. Um, so, you know, and that sort of contrast of texture makes the, I feel like makes the portrait sort of pop out a bit more off the off the, the, the canvas um, or the wall. But then when I go to the eyes, I really want the eyes to be really strong and powerful because, you know, the, everyone always says that the eyes are the gateway to the soul and, you know, I'm trying to paint the soul and I'm trying to paint, you know, these this sort of spirituality that you know that you, you know and that's that off if there was a way that you could see it in someone it's you know usually probably through their eyes so but the way I do that is actually just by spending I mean for me I just spend a lot more time on the eyes I just spend a lot more time focusing on the details of the eyes zone you know zooming right in there you know mentally and you know and trying to um, find details in there and um, and different parts but the, the landscapes that I put in the eyes, um, sometimes they are actually direct replicas of, of the landscapes that, that are actually reflecting back in the eyes, but sometimes I, I actually enhance them and put my put my own lot of twist on them and all that kind of thing. And yeah, and I, th- I feel that that's a really good representation of 
of me trying to emulate the the you know the land in which these people come from because uh, you know most indigenous cultures in the world they all you know the earth the you know the land is their mother so you know and that's their connection their connection to land is the most important so if i'm putting that in the eyes then it's you know it's kind of bringing that message home yeah and speaking of eyes like i really like the um the new collaboration you did with anthony lister in fitzroy oh thanks man like yeah, when I, someone said that you two did a collaboration, I couldn't visualize how it would work in my head. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when I saw it, it was like, oh man, you guys nailed it. Yeah, so, thanks, dude. Like, Thank do, you. Do you collaborate much at all? Yeah, you know, I, I always think that graffiti is one of those funny, one of those art forms that, or and I guess street art as well. But we're, we're one of the only art forms where people collaborate. You know, you don't really get many other art forms where you get two artists painting on the same canvas, but some reason graph and street art we you know we, we love collaborating so it's it, it's for me I've, I've always grown up with it as a normal part of my practice and something that i've really enjoyed because you know it's like having the best bowl of pasta and you know you get you, you get an artist that's a, that's a specialty in cooking the cooking the, the pasta nice and al dente and you get the guy that makes the best tomato sugo you know you, mm-hmm. you put that together and you get an awesome pasta so that's kind of the that i guess that in a in a, in a food point of view that's that's the way it works for me yeah. but Working with Lister, I mean, he's a, he's a good friend of mine. I've I've hung out with him quite a bit before, but this was the first painting we've um we've been able to do together. So yeah, it, it it's fun because you know he's 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 quite an abstract artist and he paints really quick. You know, and he paints with a lot of sort of energy. So for me to to try and sort of bounce off that is really cool because it it, it pushes me into that sort of direction and that sort of style of painting of just sort of gets to sort of like a more sort of active kind of form of painting rather than being sort of pulled back and you know spending days and days and days trying to make this sort of you know refined sort of imagery it's it, it made me be a bit more expressive and you know the end result for me i was really stoked on yeah mm. that would be awesome thanks like i've always thought that like um like painting portraits is like a, a daunting thing to do mm. like even like even lately even this morning like i was doing i've been referencing all of, like photos to draw to do drawings off mm. like of people mm. and you know, I can never get them to look like the actual person that's in the drawing, but mm. I really enjoy just like using um, you know the photos reference instead of just painting out of my head. Mm. Um, like, have you got like a uh, like a, a foolproof way of like painting a portrait and getting it to actually look like someone instead of like you know you can yeah you because know, you've obviously you you said earlier you had some failed attempts mm. you know eyes too close eyes too high all mm. that type of stuff you know mm. but like what's what's your approach to it all? Well, I mean. Obviously, practice is key, like we, we touched on before, and, and that's, you know, the more you practice, the more it ends up looking like the actual person, you know, rather than, you know, their friend or their, you know, or the sister or their mother or their daughter or something, you know, it, you know I feel like if, if I've created a portrait that actually looks like them and, you know, not their, not their sister, then, then I've really sort of nailed the technique to, you know, to the utmost, you know, degree. Uh, but one of the, the best things that the best techniques that I've learned was um, Roan once actually showed it to me, which is that, you know, you take a, you sort of create like a textured surface and whether it be lines or anything, and then you take a photo of it and then in Photoshop overlay the image of what you're going to paint. And then, I mean, I create transparent versions so I can sort of use those marks underneath as reference points for where things are. And if you're painting on a wall, maybe it's got bricks or maybe it's got broken cracks in it and stuff like that. So you can use those those cracks and stuff to to help um, keep those reference points there when you're trying to create portraiture. Um, and I think there's a lot of artists that are doing this now. So you know, and someone even coined it once as roi- as as, roining, as roining. So um, yeah, it's 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 a technique that I've sort of haven't looked you know haven't stop using and never look back from and you know i mean you can use projectors and stuff like that but projectors you can only set up at night and just have it going for the night time and then one in the daytime when you come back it's not there so you know if you if you paint over one of your reference points you stuff to so um i feel like that's a bit of a kind of a, a slower process but this technique really works well and you can also use gridding and all that kind of thing but uh i essentially initially learnt how to paint portraits with uh without any of those techniques just by purely by eye and also just by building from you know creating building blocks of painting the eye first then you know creating like you know working out putting it you know the space of one eye in between that one then painting the left eye of, you know to the left of that and then sort of creating like different elements to sort of bounce off to 
to work out whether it looks proper just by looking at it and just using your mind's eye. But it was a slower process, you know. So as my sort of years went on, it I, I, I was like, you know, getting to the point where it was like, you know, I guess, you know, referencing graphic and you want to do as many pieces as you'd rather do, you know, I don't know, even like you, you love to do lots of, you know, lots of pieces in, in a day if you can. So, you know, it's cool to be able to paint more rather than spending, you know, more time or spending time, lots of time on, on less portraits, you know, mm. so, you know, if I can do two portraits in a week rather than only spend one, port, do one portrait in a week, I'd rather take the, take the road that can, can make, you know, can help me do two, you know, so I take the practice of like the roading technique. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I like I first found out about that technique through him. He was one of the early guests I had on the podcast. Yeah, and I've heard him on um, on Vantage Point as well. And he mm. was, uh, oh no, maybe Askew was, no, it was Askew's interview yeah. where he was saying, "Oh, he's really open with it. Like, mm. it's almost like he's come up with this way of doing it, mm. and he's like been so open to share it with people instead of playing his cards close to mm. his chest. Yeah, and now you go to like a mural festival or something, and on the first day, all it is is just um, scribbling re- lines. Reference- <laughs> Reference points over every wall, you know. Exactly. And us, you know, a lot of people I speak to on uh, on this podcast as well. Everyone uses doing that it technique. now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it, it, it's it's funny though. I reckon I reckon a lot of Australians or people, you know, and New Zealanders are doing it, but I don't think there's that many people that are doing it in the states or anything. Everyone, like, I mean, I went to Miami Basel a few years ago, and everyone was was you know the whole city was light up lit up at night by by projectors. You know, everyone was using projectors, but you know, mm. and then we sort of come over and we're like, why isn't anyone using this technique? And sort of a bit you know it's 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 a it's a faster way from i think to work and a more efficient way to work if you can do it that way yeah so like we've discussed a lot of your uh your mural work but you also do um gallery work as well don't you mm, mm. like has that been a big focus for your career yeah um, you know I, I, I actually i remember back to 2009 when i, I used to hang out a bit with with megs megsy so and he once said to me he's like oh people don't really take you seriously as an artist um, until you do your first solo show. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. All right, so I'm going to try and give that a crack. And I did my first solo show back in 2010. And um, don't know if people really still took me seriously as an artist, but, you know, it, it was it was certainly a, a good sort of practice for me because suddenly it just went from just working on the street to working in the studio. And having a studio is pretty unreal, you know, because you get to build your, your own man cave and all that kind of thing. And, um, you know, I'm surrounded by a pretty awesome one right now, actually, to be honest. Um, but the the studio practice is is very different uh, to working on the street. Obviously, you know you, you're working in a you know in a refined space. You got you know you're in a comfortable environment. Uh, but you know pros and cons, and you know I, I I don't get as stimulated by painting in the studio as I do on the street. When I was painting canvases and compared to painting on the street, I I felt like it was a real struggle to create. Uh, an artwork that looked as good as you know as it would on a wall you know because when you're working with spray paint you know you're working on a bigger scale so you you know and you're used to working with spray cans so you know I felt like I could create a better I could create a better portrait on a wall than I could on a canvas and it was quite frustrating for me and uh, there was a sort of I guess a benchmark for me that I wanted to achieve where the the portrait was as refined on the canvas as it was on the wall uh, and it took me I think probably about four or five years before I actually felt like, and you know, probably about 200 portraits later on the canvas where I felt like it was the, the, the portrait on the canvas or just the, the artwork on the canvas was, was just as strong as a wall. You know, you'd, a wall will always look kind of amazing because it's, it's got this incredible surroundings, you know, it's, it, the, the location of a, of a, of a, of a mural is, is often complemented by you know, the surroundings, whether it be an abandoned building or whether it be some sort of cool architecture or, you know, some sort of crazy sort of scene happening right in front of the wall. Or, But a canvas is only just, you know, you've only got the, the, the four little, you know, the little square that you've got to work within it and then that's it. You know, you don't have any anything else to complement it. So I, I felt like it was quite tough in the beginning for me to really create an, an artwork that had a really, you know, strong kind of... Um, Oh well, yeah, was it that it was a strong work? Uh, but now I kind of feel like my portraits are actually getting more have uh, all portraits on canvas are, are getting to a point where they're more refined on canvas than they are on the wall, and it's really it's quite bizarre for me. I don't really know why it's happening. Maybe it's because I'm incorporating a lot more brush and I'm using different techniques uh, to to create the portraiture. But it's 
it's it's starting to overtake the the walls, and I feel like the walls are, are looking less realistic and and less kind of refined as the portraits on canvas. Mm. Do you think um, scale plays a big part as well? Like in um, when you know, as we we're saying before, having more impact on the the street with the surroundings. Like mm. I find murals. Um, you know the scale of a mural has a lot of impact as well mm, yeah for sure yeah. i mean i i do like painting big you know and, it, and it's it is fun but the, the the murals get they were getting too big you yeah. know it was just kind of getting to the point where my artwork or the, the the mural that i was painting became more of an achievement rather than trying to create a cool piece of art mm. you know i've it, it was like whoa that's so big and you know i can't believe i used that much paint and i covered that many meters and that many stories and i used such a big lift to do it and it was such a cool achievement but the actual artwork wasn't wasn't looking just wasn't you know to a level that i felt that was 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 very good you know and and i sort of realized that okay my, my favorite sort of scale mural is probably about two to three stories uh <clears throat> And that, that might also be due to the fact that I could use, you know, 100% spray paint and I could, you know, use it to the, you know, all use all the different caps, you know, in, in the, the way that they can be fully utilized, you know, from skinny right to astro. Um, so I guess that was probably what, what might have been the main kind of reason why it was working the best because when you start incorporating other mediums, you have to try and, you know, use different sort of practices and different sort of way to blend things. So it wasn't really being very... Uh, yeah, giving the result that I wanted. Yeah. So um, like we'll start wrapping this up because sure. you've uh, been very generous with your time. <laughs> That's so <all> good. <laughs> but um, like, do you have any uh, like uh, projects and plans in the pipeline? I do. There's a few cool projects coming up, but I probably can't really talk about them because you know, I, I, as you would know, you know, I, I feel like four out of five projects don't end up happening, but the one in five is, that, that do happen are, are usually you know stuff that's you know pretty fun so um but i do have an exhibition planned at the end of the year um and i want to try to make it a pretty significant one because i did i did four back-to-back solo shows in in four years and you know melbourne sydney melbourne sydney and, and they were both pretty solid exhibitions for me and and I've, i do want to create something that's a bit more sort of next level and, and take it to a different sort of realm and a different sort of uh you know space or environment or I don't know, we'll see, but I, I do work very closely with the same galleries that I've been represented by for years. And, you know, and, and I, I guess, I don't know, it's kind of, I, I did, I'm not sure yet what I'm going to do, but I want to make sure it, 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 it just is something that I haven't done before. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be in Melbourne? Yeah, it's going to be in Melbourne. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, and so if people wanted to check out your art online, like where's the best place for them to, to find you? Uh, Instagram and stuff's always the best, you know. I mean, you can you you only have to type in Adnate A D N A T E, um, or you can you can find me on my website, which is adnate.com.au. There's a bunch of work there, but I don't keep it as updated, unfortunately. Um, so you know, I think I should need to be more updated with my Instagram as well, to be honest. Um, but yeah, that's the best place to to keep keep in touch and keep following. Cool. All right, well, um, thanks for taking the time to sit down and have a chat. No, thank you. That's been a good one. It has, for sure. Okay. Wicked. <laughs>